welcome to this week's edition of America's Voice for Energy. This week was a big news week in the energy front, and so I actually wrote two columns this week. In the first half of our show, we're going to talk about the first column that I wrote, and then, of course, in the second half of the show, we will talk about the second column that I wrote. Now, the first column that I wrote this week was something that I've been looking at literally for years. I have written on the company, the green energy company, Abengoa, since 2012. And I got involved in looking at this topic. Um, interestingly, I had a whistleblower, a former Abengoa employee, call me yesterday and ask me, how did you get into this? And I had to really think, how did I get into this? And I realized that back in 2012, I wrote a, a piece on based on a little book called Bill Richardson and Crony Capitalism. And as I wrote a piece on that, someone contacted me, and I was reminded of all of this yesterday, someone contacted me and said, do you know the green corruption blogger? And I said, no, I don't know the green co corruption blogger. Well, that phone call put me in touch with the green corruption blogger, Christine Lakatus. And we worked together for about 18 months exposing what we called Obama's green energy crony corruption scandal. And I believe that the two of us together, our combined work, is the biggest body of work out there on the green energy projects specifically that were funded through Obama's 2009 stimulus package. Now, most people don't realize that last week was the seven-year anniversary of, Obama, of the stimulus, and uh, it was signed into law in February of 2009. And so to celebrate that, February 17 and 18, Vice President Biden went out on a tour to celebrate the victory of the stimulus package. Well, for me, that was what I needed to trigger my writing on Abengoa, which is currently facing bankruptcy proceedings in Spain, and it, it, it's such a long saga. So I'm pleased that Christine Lakatus, the green corruption blogger, is willing to join me today to share with us about the, the ins and outs at Abengoa, because while I write a short piece, uh, kind of consumer grade, on, on Abengoa, and I've been doing so for several years, wrote on them last in December, Christine does a super thorough blog post, and she kind of lives, sleeps, breathes this stuff. So, Christine, thanks for joining me today on America's Voice for Energy. Oh, great. Thank you for having me, Marita. It's, gr it's great to be here. Well, you know, you have done, um, I, I often say that I've done more work on this topic than almost anybody out there. And, you know, if it wasn't for you, I could probably say I've done more work on this topic than anybody, but you really have done more work on this topic than anybody. What, what have you seen as you've been, been watching Abengoa, talking to whistleblowers, because as our work, yours and mine, has been published, people do contact us uh, that have worked at Abengoa and say, you know, yeah, your report is, is accurate. And uh, 
what have you seen as in the years that you've been covering Abengoa? Well, as you stated, basically it started with that how do uh, Democrats say, say cronyism in, in Spanish, and it was Abengoa. That's how it started with, with this particular firm. As you know, the, the loans that were given out through the Department of Energy stimulus grants, you know, they gave out like $35 billion. Three of those loans went to Abengoa. And so it's important to, to remember that they were given $3.6 billion, $3.67 billion of stimulus funds from the loan program as well as the, uh, the grant program. And, this, again, this is, it was the idea of the stimulus package. And so we started exposing all the, the connections, like, uh, the, you know, the, that they were connected to President Obama, uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, her family foundation, as well as uh, Vice President Al Gore, John Doerr, and then, as you mentioned, the former governor of New Mexico, Bill Richardson. And there's some other, other ties as well, but those are the main Democrat ties that are tied just to the Abengoa uh, company, Spanish conglomerate. So we started now, doing that. Let, let, me, let me stop you for just a sec, if I can, because you mentioned the Clinton Foundation, and because, yeah. of course, Hillary Clinton is prime news right now, can you share what the connection to the Clinton Foundation and Abengoa is? Uh, that is through McKinsey and Company, uh, because McKinsey and Company is one of their donors, and McKinsey and Company is also tied to Abendoa, so there's a connection there. But as I, I did a, a, a post called Back to the Future on my blog, Hillary Clinton, and how her, fa her family foundation is tied to a lot of these cronies that are, uh, and I actually, you know what else? It's... Um, uh, uh, Carol, uh, Carol Browner, who is a member of the uh, DOE when these loans were given out, and Bill Richardson are actually uh, donors to their foundation. I just remembered. Anyway. But okay. as I see, a lot of these same people, you know, like Energy Energy, Next Era Energy, Bill Gates and all them that are connected to these other loans that were given out, they're also uh, Clinton Foundation donors. So okay. that, that's where that, but anyway, that specific connection is Bill Richardson and Carol Browner. And now she was Obama's uh, climate czar. And she was in yeah. charge of giving out the loans. She was one of the decision-making people that gave out these loans, and Avangoa was, you know, as, as the second largest recipient of the DOE loans. So there's that connection. But we started to unfold that and, and as far as the money and the, and the crony connections. And then as you stated... Uh, whistleblowers contacted you first, and I mean, I remember being on the phone with you with our heads spinning about the immigration yes. violations and and, all, and whatnot. And then we started to write to write about it. Well, even after that, every, every piece we wrote, Marita, we get I get like five more whistleblowers, or you would get two more. We, you know, and we compare yes. notes and whatnot, and it just went on and on and on. And that was in 2014. Well. We're exposing, you know, these illegal practices of immigration violation. Uh, they broke the uh, the letter of the spirit of the law of the DOE because it's supposed to be hiring Americans first. Uh, Department of Labor, I think, that you talked about in your blog. I think you went more specifics about that when you wrote for the Daily Caller on that. Yes. Uh, and then after that, we started getting information about the construction aspect of it. 
and the, the fact that they, they, they use older technology, more expensive technology, and we're talking about mainly the solar plants. Now, you're Yeah, and, and that, that's, that's what yeah. the whistleblower that contacted me yesterday brought up. And he gave oh, me sure. some things, and my, I don't even know, I'll tell you this, I, I don't even know where to go with this because it's outside of my scope. But he said, you know, if I was going to write, he asked me, do you know construction? I said, no. And he mm-hmm. said, well, you know, if I was going to write something on construction, I would know the Sherman Act. I would look at construction mm-hmm. loan fraud. I would look at bid rigging. And I would look at mm-hmm. bid collusion. So, I mean, I don't even have a clue where to go with that. But I, that's just to say, you know, just, just like you said, we've had people that have reached out to us and verified that, uh, you know, what we've written, you know, is, is accurate or, or, you know, we're, we're really close. We're really close to it is what I was told yesterday. Oh, wow. I mean, the whole thing, because you wrote about the Kansas project, which is a biofuel plant. Now, we right. have two solar plants, the one in Arizona and the one here in California. So then they have this biofuel plant. Apparently they weren't, and again, they're not paying their, their bills. I was told they were behind on the PG&E bill or SC, I don't know, one of the bills out here, millions of dollars. I've gotten calls from certain companies that, you know, don't tell anybody we're calling you, but what do you know about them? I mean, it's, it's just insane about, about how many people have reached out to us. And, it, and what's yeah, it is. is we've, yeah, we've been doing this since, well, the whistleblower intel since, I think, March of 2014. And we, as you stated in your last piece, you talked to the oversight committee, and you told them about it. The finance committee has known about it. The DOE, because our whistleblowers have contacted the DOE, the SEC knows that, that this one here in California doesn't make up to the seismic code, so if there's an earthquake here, this one's going to blow, Mojave. And they're using the 1.7 million gallons of water per day in a, in a California drought. They're blaming it on global warming, but yet they're using all this water for solar. Like, okay, well, you can't have it both ways, right? Um, so, and then what's, what's really interesting, and I think I brought this up in, in your email, so we've exposed all, all these illegalities, and we can go through the insurance fraud, uh, the, the uh, illegal they play illegal employees under the table to avoid taxes. They stiffed their suppliers. Uh, they systematically cut corners in their design, and on and on and on. California violations, EPA violations. You know, we can go on for, for hours on this one. Yes, we could. Right. So basically, and I even wrote down the DOE, ICE, DOL, IRS, DEC, OSHA, and EPA, and others. Those are the main government agencies that they broke these laws and. To, <laughs> To slap us all in the face, they did it with a Spanish company, did it with American money on American land, and they basically messed us over. Okay, so I mean, it, it's just yeah, yeah because I, now they're now they're back there in Spain, and uh, they're facing they're about to become the biggest bankruptcy big ever in the history of Spain, the biggest bankruptcy they've ever had, and the you the U.S. Federal government is their largest creditor. Yeah, we loaned them. Well, we gave them a couple. We gave them like a billion dollars free cash, cash payer tax, 
And we did so, and I looked at this, these grants because it's, it's, it's a huge 1603 grant spreadsheet. And I found it, I found out that Solana in Arizona on 3414, right when we were exposing all this stuff, they got a $513 million grant. Then they turn around knowing Mojave, knowing what they know about Mojave, you know, the, the, the various violations that have been confirmed by, we've talked to many engineers about this, and how they, they, they cut corners in the design, and it, it's a safety hazard, and there's a, a, a heat transfer fluid spill going on that they're mishandling whatnot. Well, it turns out on September 10th, 2015, they gave Mojave a $365.8 million grant. Now, that's free taxpayer cash. That's money they don't have to pay back. Yeah, a grant is not a loan. Exactly. Now, the loans are something else, but still... Are, they're not going to pay us back. They're in bankruptcy. They're, they're, they're heading yeah. towards bankruptcy, and we're not going to get. So we've given this company $3.67 billion, not to mention almost $300 million that the XIM Bank has given them, another crony bank that we wrote about. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? And, you know, we're about, we're about out of time, Christine. Okay. Well, one last question. With all of this, how do you feel about that nothing has been done to this company despite all these investigations? Doesn't it make you crazy that it, it, nothing has been done and no big media attention has been paid to this story? Yeah, and it, it breaks my heart because you've heard horror stories. Not only did they, they're, you know, taking advantage of American taxpayer money, but they've treated these employees very poorly. They got fired because they were trying to tell the truth. You know, we've heard yeah. horror story after horror story, and what breaks my heart is I, we get these emails from these people like, why, aren't, why isn't anybody doing anything? Where's the oversight? Where's the GOP? You know, they're head of the oversight committee. Why haven't they had investigations? Oh, yeah. yeah. You and I both know how frustrated that this has become for us, and we try to get it to Fox, we try to get it to CNN, and it's like nobody's listening. This is huge. And now they're yeah. all the verge of bankruptcy, taking our money down the toilet with them, and they're doing nothing. That's why yeah. I hope, Marita, that you continue with the radio, continue with these stories on Avondale, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give up, but we're doing this, what, two years now? What else can we do? Go stand on the doorstep with a sign? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very frustrating. We're out of time, Christine. Let me let me remind our listeners to go to your blog, which is Green Corruption Files. Just do a search on Green Corruption Files, and you'll be able to find Christine's work there. Christine Lakatus, thanks for joining us today okay. on America's Voice for Energy, and we'll be right back. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. 
and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. This week we're talking about two different topics. In our last segment, we talked about Abengoa, and we're going to continue to do that in this segment. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to move to President Obama's uh, claim that we can't drill our way to $2 a gallon gasoline. Now, someone who knows a lot about gasoline is Charlie Drevna, and he is the former president of American Fuel and Petrochemical manufacturers. And he and I talked several years ago when he was in that particular role. He's been on America's Voice for Energy before, but we haven't talked in quite a long time. And I kind of rediscovered Charlie because he was quoted in some of the research that I did about Abengoa. Now, most of my previous writing on Abengoa has been about their solar activities. But what's been in the news more recently is their biofuel activities. And that's where Charlie Drevna comes in. So, Charlie, thanks for joining us once again on America's Voice for Energy. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure, Marita. Great, great to be with you again. Well, thank you. I'm glad that we've kind of refound each other because we, we share a lot of interests in common here. And this Abengoa issue, uh, it, as I said, was in the news a lot this past week, which is why I wrote about it. But it's really been under the radar. It's not gotten a lot of press coverage, which personally I find very frustrating, which is why I continue to write on Abengoa. I wrote on it last December written on it again now here towards the end of February and, um, you know, may write on it again next month when it finally, assuming it finally uh, goes bankrupt. But it's kind of been the Abengoa story has kind of been drip, drip, drip. And I think maybe that's why um, the news media has not picked up on it at all. What do you think? Well, you know, if you look back, you know, you know we, have, we have a poster child for, for government malfeasance, and it's called Solyndra. But and that was yes. a big that was a big to do. I think if you mentioned Solyndra to the to to the average American uh, listener, viewer, or whatever, that they would they would recognize that what, what what a fiasco that was. And you're absolutely right. This this Abengoa thing. I mean, it trumps that. I, mean, I shouldn't probably use that term right now. No, maybe not today. But <laughs> process. But it's just, but. Uh, but it, uh, it yes, it's, because it's, it's about the, the loss. The loss to the American taxpayer is going to be about six times that of Solyndra. Absolutely, and when you look at uh, the the process that, that that or lack of a process, I should say that Abengoa had to go through. It was it was a gift that was you know wrapped up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Christmas or birthday or some sort of package, and definitely with to, a big uh, bow. Yeah, with a big bow by this administration, headed by 
Mr. Obama, and and the American taxpayer had absolutely nothing to say about it. You had you had the Secretary of Energy Moniz out there traipsing around with President with Vice President Biden, touting how wonderful all this stuff is, and you know. And but the thing is, you can you can trumpet anything you want. However, you know you can't amend the laws of physics, chemistry, and thermodynamics. And yeah, and, and that's can, apparently what that's what we were trying to do. Now, in my column, I focused on the Hugoton cellulosic ethanol plant, which, according to my research, um, has only has really never produced any product. No, they really haven't. I mean, they may, they may have done it in a test tube or in a beaker in a, in a lab. And as a recovering chemist, I can uh, I can attest. I could probably do it if I could remember some of my basic chemistry from 40 years ago. But uh, but yeah, you could do it in a lab. You know, you can you can you can do anything you know, most anything you want. You get, but when you try to take this stuff from from uh, a laboratory to a commercial scale. It, you know, you're going to need nine, ten, eleven, twelve dollar gasoline to make this stuff viable. And the last I looked, I drove past coming into coming into the office this morning. I drove past a <laughs> service station, and it was a buck seventy nine. Yes, which so. brings us to my second half of the show of Mr. Obama. We, you know, you owe America an apology because we did drill our way to two dollar a gallon gas, but we'll stay off of that topic right, for the moment. Right. So the cellulosic ethanol plant in Hugoton was. Uh, the big grand opening was really just a little more than a year ago, and, and then with you know one year of op- supposed operation, the millions of dollars that they received are is down the drain because they're now closed. Where you know where did the money go? That's that's the question I'd like to know. Where did the money go? Did it really go into uh, attempting to make uh, you know cellulosic ethanol? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, you know, I don't know where it went. I mean, it was a lot of money that got. Well, got, we can be sure a good amount of it. We can be sure a good amount of it went to Spain. I mean, I followed Abengoa since 2012, and um, we know for a fact from our other uh, other research on the solar side that that money went straight to Spain, and that they r- routinely refused to pay. They're creditors, and that's one of the things I brought up in my column as well because last week uh, a lawsuit was filed or a, whatever you call it, a Chapter 7 involuntary bankruptcy, which frankly was something I wasn't familiar with previously, was filed in Kansas, and then last week the court granted what the creditors were asking for, which essentially is when this property is sold at pennies on the dollar, um, we American creditors need to get paid before that money goes to the parent company in Spain, and a, and a judge granted that last Friday. But, uh, so, I mean, we can be sure, my point is we can be sure that's where some of that money went. I, I, I don't doubt that at one, one iota. I think the problem is, and it continues to be, and whether it's Abengoa or Solyndra or anything else, is that when the federal government tries to pick winners and losers in the marketplace, they have a great track record for picking the losers. And when they try to, you know, again, you know, force fit uh, some some model or some kind of of fuel into into the system that that cannot be commercially commercially uh, produced, 
at, at, at levels that the American consumer would even think about buying. It, it just goes to show that you know this is why this is why we we are in, in this mess that we're in with renewable fuels, with with um, you know uh, uh, solar, with wind. Uh, you know, let the free market dictate what will happen. I think the American, probably know the American public would would be much better served if uh, if you know the energy uh, situation in this country were governed by the free market with the appropriate environmental safeguards. And I think we're there. No, as a matter of fact, I should I, let me amend that. I know we're there. Um, so this is this is part and parcel to this administration's desire to have their war on fossil fuels from the first day. I, I think as soon as he took his hand off the Bible on January twentieth uh, uh, of two thousand and nine, this was uh, the, you know the first salvos were fired in, in this war on fossil fuels, and it hasn't let up. Even though, even though, as you say, you know we're we're we're, in, we're on the cusp of, of energy independence, uh, and and we can get there. Uh, uh, but just let the marketplace allow us to do it. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, I think, why I'm so diligent about what I do and trying to educate the public, why I write these columns every week, why I do this little radio show that's you know, more of a podcast probably than a radio show, but, but we do get thousands of uh, downloads every month. And so we, I know we do have we do have people who listen to this, but I do these things because I I want people, the general public, to see to understand uh, the foolishness of where their tax dollars are going, um, especially in this election year. I see that vitally important that people understand that that again our tax dollars, uh, you know, really that we're borrowing from China because that's you know, uh, because of the, the debt and so forth, that we need to look at what are our presidential candidates supporting and, and vote accordingly. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you think about it, it's, it's just you, you, have a, you have this tax uh, uh, debacle for the, the, the American public uh, paying for a foreign company uh, to, pro, to provide a product that doesn't exist, and then you, and then you know, it goes on with you have the Secretary of the Navy saying, well, we're going to we're going to use biofuels and mix them in with regular jet fuel at, at the cost of twenty six dollars a gallon. Oh, doesn't that make you uh, crazy? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's like where it, it, this you, you can't you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's. it's I mean, it's not it's, like we have a shortage of oil. Right. I mean, you know, like I said, it was a it was a buck seventy nine for regular on my way into work this morning. Uh, so it's like, okay, what 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 is this? Has, have we have we gone completely insane with our energy policy? Well, I would say yes, because you know, we we the energy policy we have is well, let's let's. Let's keep it. Let's keep what's going to keep this country moving. Let's keep what's going to advance human development and human life and 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 a standard of living not only in the United States but around the world. Let's keep that in the ground and let's go off with the, the hocus pocus of 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 biofuels and and perhaps magic beans or the next thing this president will come up with. Yeah, my standard line on that is that they somehow want us to believe the fairy tale that we can power the world on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. Right. Yeah. And and what they're actually doing, when I you know, is 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 their their goal. And let's let's give them a little bit of a uh, a benefit here. Their goal may be to go to to drive us to the Jetsons, but what they're going to yeah. do is drive us back to the Flintstones. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And Where we're going to be powering our car with our feet. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's you know, fossil fuels. Uh, and, and I'm not saying uh, there, there's not room for, for, for renewables. Fine. Just let the American public decide what they want and let, it comp- let them compete on a, on a free and open market, again, with the appropriate safeguards. And, well, you know, you there, know, there are some free market uses for ethanol as a renewable, for example, and solar as a renewable. I mean, there are free market uses for some of these fuels. I Personally, I don't see a big free market use for, for wind, but I do see for ethanol and for, for solar. No, I, I absolutely. As long as, it, as long as it's in the free market. As a matter of fact, I mean, the system today is. You know, you talk about you know what what the uh, the gasoline situation is. The system today is geared to ten percent ethanol. Um, you know, whether you like that or not, that's pretty much where we are now. We now and you know, now are we going to go to the thirty six billion gallons a year that the renewable fuel standard calls for and, and all this other uh, hocus pocus? Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. And Congress is going to have to do something about that. Uh, yeah. You can't, you can't yeah. keep on uh, t- 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 kicking it back to EPA and having the industry try to get exemptions every year or, ch- or change the uh, change the, the the statute via. via well, I think we're I think deal. we're heading toward that. I, I think Ted Cruz's stand in Iowa, whether you like Ted Cruz or whether you don't, uh, really moved that discussion forward. Yeah, I, you know, I, I hope that this is the, again. I agree with you. Whether you like my, Senator Cruz or any other or any other of the candidates, I hope this was the the last time that that uh, in a presidential election year that that people have to traipse through Iowa and kneel down at the altar of ethanol. I think I yeah. think I'm hoping. I agree with you that 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 uh, day has 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 passed. But. But you know, you you have, and again, this is not a partisan issue. This is, I mean, you have two Democrat, Republican senators uh, in um, in uh, in Iowa who uh, who are proponents and who will fight to the. To well, the I mean, of keep, course keep they. Cr- we're we're almost out of time, Charlie. But of course, they created a system that jobs are based on these government subsidies. So of course, those representatives in Iowa are going to rightfully, I think, try to fight for this benefit that their state has gotten. Now, I don't agree with it, but, I, but it's right for them to try to fight for what's good for their state. But you can't you can't come to Washington and say you're gonna you're you're gonna you run but we're gonna go I'm gonna go to Washington and we're gonna I'm gonna castrate all the stuff that's going on in there but we're we'll turn a blind eye to that. Yeah, so that's exactly. Not, that see that's what that's what upsets me about about the the politicians is that you know it, you know I mean I could defend if if I, if I use that kind of logic I could defend the most left wing um, uh, liberal uh, on the Senate you know some of the things that they do. So that's the idea yeah. of a free market. The free market will, will make America great, has made America great. But when you again, when you have and whatever whatever you wear on your sweatshirt, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Bull Moose, I don't care. You have to you have to say that the free market will eventually make uh, America what what it needs to be needs to be remade. In. Yeah. This administration for the last seven and a half years, in my opinion, has tried to destroy that. Yeah, Charlie, we're out of time. Can you stay with me for another segment? Sure. Okay, we're going to do that. We'll be right back on America's Voice for Energy. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF 
A non-profit organization is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. I'm so glad that Charlie Drevna, former president of the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers, was able to stay with me. We were having such a, a good conversation because we have so much in common interest and belief-wise that uh, I asked Charlie if he could stay for another segment. So uh, we're going to continue that conversation because I, I actually had one more real key question that I wanted to ask you, Charlie, and if you don't mind, if I can jump back for a minute to the Abengoa story. Um, my research showed me that Abengoa has shut down, I believe it was seven bioenergy plants. Do you know anything about that? Well, I mean, I, I haven't followed it plant by plant. I know, I know that if you look at their statements about what they want to do to either either prevent from going into total bankruptcy or or, or, or get themselves out of it, that they want to they want to sell uh, uh, assets that aren't part of their core business. Now, I was surprised to see that what they 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 publicly state that biofuels production is not part of their core business. So, but yet they have my, seven biofuel plants. Yeah, yeah, seven. And and and, but but uh, you know the the uh, I think the egregious act here is this uh, this administration and U.S. government giving hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to a company to to develop biofuels, and that's not part of their core core business. How the heck does that work? And at the same yeah, and time, especially when they were dealing with really that experimental cellulosic right. ethanol that has yet to ever be produced commercially. And this one plant in Hugoton, Kansas, was right. to be the first commercial cellulosic ethanol plant, uh, and it is now shuttered. Right. And then, you know, the president will say he, 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 will, he will give hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to a foreign company uh, fine, okay, whatever, you know, but at least have that part of your core business, uh, and which I, I completely disagree. They should even give anything to these folks. But he, he blocks the Keystone Pipeline because, quote, it's not in America's best interest, unquote. Uh, again, am, am I living in some bizarro world? Uh, or, or uh, it, you know, I, I just can't understand the, the, the logic in, in, in those two decisions. So you know, I, I wonder because this was a foreign company, was the State Department involved at all? Because you realize we have on the board at Abengoa at the time these decisions were made, at the time that these loan guarantees and grants were awarded, we have on the board of Abengoa, we have uh, former New Mexico Governor, former Secretary of Energy Bill Richardson, and we have former Vice President Al Gore. 
And guess what other board both of those men are also on? The Clinton Foundation. Oh, just coincidence, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is just coincidence. I mean, there. It, I, I don't know that there's any State Department involvement in this, but you just kind of have to wonder. I mean, I've followed this very closely, but I've never have I seen anything about State Department involvement. But it seems like if we're giving this kind of money to a foreign company, that we should that the State Department should have been involved. Well, the State Department was involved in trying to get. Uh, you know, 18 inches or two feet of permit across the U.S.-Canadian border, and that and that didn't work out so well for for the American people, for the Ameri- you know, for American consumers, American workers. Uh, but I, you know, I, I I can't comment on what Mr. Gore and Mr. Richardson the, uh, what they do. I know I know what they I know what Mr. Gore tries to do. Um, matter of fact, I was just in New York a couple weeks ago, and on the day that you know, he said 10 years ago that the East Coast was going to be underwater, and uh, my feet weren't even wet. So uh, I'm not sure of where, where all this this is coming from. But uh, Well, you know, that, that comment kind of... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say... Well, the, just the just your, com- your comment about the various predictions that Al Gore has made that, um, you know, have, have not come true... Uh, it, it leads me to kind of the second half of the show here, which is uh, four years ago this week, President Obama was speaking in Miami and, and boldly proclaimed, we cannot drill our way to $2 a gallon gasoline. And, and guess what? We did drill our way to $2 a gallon gasoline. As you pointed out, you you know, you drove by a gas station today at 170 Where I live, it's under 150 And uh, my grocery store, if I shop enough, offers me $0.20 cents a gallon discount so I can get it down to, you know, 130 Right, right. Yeah, it just goes to show that, you know, what it's, it's, American, it's American entrepreneurship and American ingenuity that has brought us you know, and and I have to also say there's a couple other things. I mean, the world, the worldwide uh, economy, what's happening there? The, the, the demand is down. But that being said, you know, it's American ingenuity, American entrepreneurship that has got us. You know, the, the a tremendous, vast increase of of U.S. production. I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago people were talking about peak oil. Uh, and, uh, exactly. Well, I think I think I think the, uh, the opponents of of oil, been talking about peak oil since since Drake hit the well in 1859 or whatever. But uh, but we 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 have the opportunity here to you know I mean yeah can Saudi can the Saudis uh, lifting costs beat ours absolutely I mean Saudi the Saudis are still the big player but as far as what we can do here what we have done in, in, with American ingenuity and entrepreneurship is brought is brought the price of, of oil down to 30 bucks a barrel and the price of gasoline to well under $2 a gallon. Now, imagine a world where mandates would have prohibited that and still prohibit that. Imagine, imagine that land that was on um, 
uh, and all the all the all the fracking and all the uh, horizontal drilling and, and, and all that has been done on on public and and, and, and I mean private and state lands. Imagine right, if, right. If that was it, it, you know if we if they were held to the same uh, thing that we that, that that the president and now now uh, Secretary Clinton want to say that we will no that we will no longer do any leases offshore or anything, then we would be paying seven or eight bucks a gallon. So well, I mean, you know, the, the anti-fossil fuel crowd now is what is trying to block production through banning fracking. I mean, that's their big thing. In my home home base of New Mexico, this week we had uh, we had a company that wanted to come in in this low-priced oil environment. They wanted to come in and and drill an exploration well. Uh, in Sandoval County, which is outside of Albuquerque area. Sandoval County already has 600 operating wells in Sandoval County. But this was is kind of a new area. It's a little close to civilization. And they wanted to drill an exploration well. As you understand, the geology tells them that there's oil there. And just this week, the county commission decided against giving them the zoning variance that they would need to drill this exploration well. And the antis came in with, oh, we don't want fracking. We don't want fracking. We don't want fracking. And there was no fracking even being discussed. This was an exploration well. And once they drilled the well and, and did, you know, analyze the core, et cetera, et cetera, then they would determine, do we need to frack, or is this a conventional well? But, you know, the antis have totally changed the discussion. I just read something today about Florida, that they're trying to get some anti-fracking stuff through uh, in Florida. And that's, that's how they're, you know, that's one of their techniques, because if they can ban fracking, they essentially stop America's new era of energy abundance. You're absolutely right, and that is what's so frustrating to 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 me about some some folks in my own uh, you know my own fossil fuel industry who thought that they could make you know uh, uh, make uh, advancements and make hay on the demise of coal, thinking that these people would not come after them. Well, hello. Oh. You know these. You know these. These folks, uh, uh, as you call them, the antis, the extremists, the radicals, the zealots. They have an agenda, and they're not going. They're not going to be happy just stopping at coal. And well, because they had, they had thought that we were we were resource uh, scarce, and they figured we'll yeah. go after coal. Coal. They were banking natural, on that. Yeah, that, the natural gas. We, we didn't have any. We were you know we were talking about you know importing uh, LNG and building these facilities. And they thought, okay, we take our coal, natural gas prices will go through the roof, and all this other stuff that they think they can, they can, they can um, uh, produce will be cost competitive. Well, a funny thing happened along the way to uh, to a gas to a gas shortage, uh, and that didn't fit. Yeah, their and it's calculus. called hydraulic fracturing. Exactly. So that didn't fit their calculus. So they so the next stop was well, we got to have how are we going to stop this? Uh, we're going to have to go after fracking. So for those for those in 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 in, in the in the oil and gas industry who think that that that, that the war is over and everything's going to be fine, uh, this I think this is a clarion call uh, for them. Uh, you know. Oh, that's yeah. what I that's what I've been shouting from the rooftops. Uh, you know this 
this keep it in the ground movement is the next phase. This is this is their plan for this year is keep it in the ground. Charlie, we've got one minute left, and I'm going to have to end on time. No problem. So, you know, what 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 else do we what, want to what, cover in this what, last minute? Well, about you, you want to talk about that? Is is, is is my my thoughts has always been is in you know uh, you know. President Obama got up numerous times and pontificated about an all-the-above strategy. And I had to believe him because he does have an all-the-above strategy. Unfortunately, it's none of the below. Yep, that's and, one of my favorite lines. I use that yeah. line a lot. That's if, if only we'd known when he said he was for all the above that he all meant none of the below. Yep, that's, and that's, you know, and, and that's what, and, and to me, to us, I think that if we if we continue this war on fossil fuels, it is not it's it's almost an anti-human campaign, because fossil fuels have are and will be key to to getting people out of poverty, not only in this country but around the world. Uh, having having a, a standard of living, getting getting people you know health care and clean water and electricity around the world. And who are we as Americans to say, no, you can't do that? Yeah, you we're going to have to end on that with, a, with an amen, Charlie. Thank you for joining us today. Great to chat with you. We've been talking with Charlie Drevna, former president of the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers. Please stay with us, and we'll be right back. Well, we went to 1230, 12 minutes and 30 okay. seconds, but hopefully, hopefully well, Dave will. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, he always does. He always does. I'll cut the up, make sure the others are down to 13 each, and hopefully we'll all be good. Charlie, it's been Alrighty. great to chat with you. I appreciate it so much. Okay, you take care. We'll be in touch. Thanks. Okay, you bet. We will be. Bye. Yeah. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to our last segment of today's edition of America's Voice for Energy. I'm pleased to have with us my friend, Sterling Burnett. And Sterling, you know, I don't know if you remember, but we met, well, I I know you do remember, because uh, you talked about it in a podcast that I did when you were interviewing me a few weeks ago, and now... The tables are turned. I'm in, interviewing you, but we met when I very first got into this line of work nearly 10 years ago now, and uh, I'm pleased at this point to, to call you a friend and a colleague. Well, me as well, and uh, I, I, uh, I, I've appreciated seeing your, uh, your determination and growth and uh, uh, you know, everything you've become. 
Well, I appreciate it. Before we get into the topic at hand, um, some of our listeners might be interested uh, because they do, uh, many of them listen to this show via podcast, so they're podcast types. They might be interested in the podcast that you did uh, with me a couple weeks ago. How can someone find that? Well, go to our website, www.heartland.org, and go down to the podcast very bottom of the page, bottom left, and, and, and just select it, and uh, you'll come to the list of them, and your name will be there. Well, good. I appreciate that. I posted it on my Facebook page, and, and uh, I know many people told me that they appreciated hearing kind of the backstory of how I got involved in, in energy and so forth, so I appreciate you uh, making that available for listeners. Well, you know, we appreciate having you on. I thought it was a great piece <laughs> and uh, very informative. Well, let's get on with our topic for today, which is we're going to talk about President Obama's statement four years ago this week where he said at the University of Miami, we cannot drill our way to $2 a gallon gasoline. And uh, my column that I wrote on that, I wrote kind of an extra piece this week. My first column, as we talked about earlier in the show, was about Abengoa. And then I wrote this extra column this week that I titled, some of the websites gave it a different title, but I titled it, Mr. President, You Owe America an Apology, period. We did drill our way to $2 a gallon gasoline. And, you know, Sterling, I said in that piece, you know, I don't expect my president, regardless of who it is, whether Republican or Democrat, uh, George Bush, President Obama, or whoever is next, I don't expect them to be an energy expert. You can't be an expert in everything. But I expect with the, the uh, resources available to the President of the United States, I expect him to surround himself with the best and the brightest minds available. And obviously, when we look at energy issues, which is, of course, where I focus, that's not what he has done. Well... I'm not, you know, I'm not sure he's got stupid people surrounding him. I think, in fact, he's just an ideologue, and he ignores the best and brightest and, and, and accepts the statements of people who already share his apocalyptic views of climate change. This is a man, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of people who are experts have been out there for years touting peak oil. I don't happen to be one of them, I think. Time has proven me and, and other peak oil uh, skeptics right. You know, we're producing more now than we have in decades. Uh, our imports are lower now than they have been in decades, and prices are lower now than they have been in decades. So, you know, uh, I think the peak oilers, they've gone silent. But there were a lot of people that were predicting it. But that wasn't why Obama said that we couldn't go our way to, um, to the to our oil. It was because he fully intended to raise the price of oil regardless of, of all fossil fuels to fight climate change and he was touting renewables as an alternative to energy and he really has faith in those men. I mean he's just he's blinded by his backers and, and I think his own true commitment to uh, reducing fossil fuel use and it's one of those things uh, like damn the torpedoes full ahead. Well, damn the implications, full speed ahead on getting rid of fossil fuels. So you think he really believes all of this? Oh, I do. 
Yeah, no, I do. I think that, you know, remember, there are smart people that do, and, and I think that he's one of those that uh, that uh, is a true believer here. I think he thinks that uh, science has spoken. Climate, humans are causing climate change. It's going to be catastrophic. And he's going to leave his mark. And one of the ways to leave his mark is to reduce fossil fuel use and thus CO2 emissions. So, you know, I think that his rhetoric about no $2 oil that we can't drill our way there was, I think, I think he believed that. Remember, like I said, a lot of experts didn't believe we, we would see cheap oil again. They, they, they wrote in a lot of journals and a lot of newspapers. Well, I have to admit I didn't think we'd see it this cheap. I, I, you know, I I'm, did not think we'd see it this cheap. And, of course, this the low prices that we have now are really uh, somewhat artificially uh, generated due to Saudi Arabia's choice to try to end America's era of energy abundance. You know, everyone talks about Saudi Arabia's choice as if their choice would make me a natural market choice. That's not. Remember, they work for they're 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 oligopolists over there. They're part of OPEC, and so if if, if OPEC acted to restrict the supply of oil, that would be some natural choice. Then that would be the market responding. That would be a monopolist responding. And so, yes. uh, and even then, I'm not sure. Uh, they could have done what everyone thought they could because the fracking revolution, remember, we're, we're cutting, we're shutting down wells right now. We're still producing record supplies of oil. I think if Saudi Arabia had uh, done their swing uh, vote or, and, and led OPEC to reduce the supply of oil, and, and of course they're the swing producer, then fracking would have just put out more oil than it's already producing. Because prices would have remained high, and it would have kept uh, it would have cut operators in the field. And and, and then again, that, that, that go ahead. I just the fact is, and and Iran's coming online as well now, so Iran yes. is going to be producing, and that's going to keep the price of oil low. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it, Iran's uh, dis- announcement this week that we're not going to, to freeze levels. How crazy is that? You know, like, and whoever thought that Iran was going to abide by that anyway? Well, that's right. I mean, see, that's the problem with OPEC. That's, that's been the problem with OPEC for years is that you can have a, uh, you can have a, uh, a monopoly or an oligopoly in this case, but if not everybody uh, plays the same game, if, if everybody cheats, and they have been cheating for years, yeah, then, uh, then you know the control is more uh, imaginary than real. It's not the case that they have not raised prices on occasion and reduced supply. They have, but it's never been the the control has never been long lasting. Uh, when Saudi Arabia, this is why Saudi Arabia didn't want to uh, cut their supply to the market. It, 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 it in part had to do with wanting to shut down fracking in the U.S., but it, in part it also had to do is they knew that every time you know they're making profit at oil prices right now. Saudi Arabia still makes a profit. A lot of other producers in OPEC are losing money hand over fist at oil prices right now. And in the past, these are the ones that, you know, have cheated when prices were higher and, 
and they wanted Saudi Arabia to reduce, you know, they wanted OPEC to reduce supply, and it always had to be Saudi Arabia reducing supply. They were the ones that reaped the benefits because they would put out more oil than they agreed to, and made money at the higher prices while Saudi Arabia cut the supply and, and made less money than they could have otherwise. I think, in part, this is Saudi Arabia saying, "No more. You guys are going to fall in line when we say something. It's going to happen." Yeah, the whole the whole dynamic uh, of this current oil situation um, is very is, is interesting to watch for those of us that are into it but uh, probably almost incomprehensible for the average person but let's go back to President Obama for a moment and his policies you know and and his advisors and his belief uh, as you said you believe that he really thought we could not drill our way to two dollar oil um, but his policies were really, in order for his policies to work, they need more expensive gasoline. Well, that's right. You know, at the same time he was saying we can't drill ourselves to, to, to cheaper oil, he was bragging about uh, how under his administration oil was increasing, production was increasing. And, of course, no, it was, was his, uh, he was responsible for. It was all happening on state lands and private lands, and uh, drilling on public lands was going down under him. Uh, so how he thought he could take the credit, I don't know. But, of course, cheap oil, like I said you know, earlier, cheap oil was, is a bad thing for him, just like cheap electricity is a bad thing for him. If you want to build a coal-fired power plant, the cheapest coal, the cheapest electric power plant, he says, that's fine, do it, we'll bankrupt you. Well, I think he felt the same way about oil companies. They are bad for the planet. People need to be using mass transit. They need to, to just live with the fact that their lights are going to flicker and the power is going to go off sometimes with renewable power. Uh, we'll figure that out. Even yet. Now, the thing he believes that we'll just figure it out. It, you know, somehow we'll be able to make uh, wind and solar no longer intermittent variable. Uh, this is a guy who believes in the technologies he believes in, and he hates the technologies he hates. And He hates oil and gas. He hates coal. And he really believes in renewables. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I sat on a, on a flight recently, a few months back, with a young man who had just was coming back from some training. And um, I don't remember his exact job role, but he, he, put, he worked on data centers. Oh, I know what he did. He did the air conditioning for data centers. And we got to talking about the the energy consumption and you know as you were talking about energy is going to be intermittent made me think of this conversation with him about these huge data hubs that are being built that that really are what we call the cloud but that this data is being held in some data center somewhere and they have huge huge energy requirements and uh, nobody seems to ever think about that Oh, that's right. I mean, you know, as much as, you know, many of the youth in America um, decry fossil fuels, they're out there protesting on campus saying divest, divest, divest. My suspicion is when their iPads and their iPods and their uh, uh, all the stuff that operates on the cloud and uh, uh, their smartphones and their gaming systems all turn off because the energy supply is not there. 
they can no longer access their uh, their Twitter account and their uh, Facebook. They'll be unhappy for email. sure. Yeah, they're not going to be happy. And you know, and the sad, sad thing is, because they're brainwashed and they don't understand how the economy works, they you know they're buying into Bernie Sanders Kool Aid. They'll blame the oil companies for. They'll blame the. Uh, uh, the utilities for not supplying the energy required to meet their needs with no understanding that it's their fault, that, that they shut down the only power supplies that can, that can uh, you know, power these things, all these technologies they use yeah. uh, reliably. Sterling, we're out of time. It's been a good discussion. We've had a great show today on America's Voice for Energy. I appreciate all our listeners tuning in, whether it's online or through a podcast. And, Sterling, thanks for joining me once again on America's Voice for Energy. Thanks for having me, Marita. Take care. Thanks. Be, please be sure to tune in next week on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.